yeah. It's time. Deep thoughts. Part three. You thought you were done. But I'm back, baby. Reunited and it feels so good. Reunited cause this boob's too big. We're gonna take fat from my big ass. We'll put it in the little boob so these boobs will be more equal. Hey, hey. Ooh, that's number one on the charts. Anyway, back, back again, back with all my friends for Deep Thoughts Part 3, The Tale of Fat Grafting. Uh. So it's Wednesday. A week from Monday, I will be getting my Step 2 revision surgery for my deep flap reconstruction. And this time, we're talking four procedures. Let's count them off. Number one, liposuction. Yeah, no, for real, liposuction. Number two, fat transfer procedure, otherwise known as fat grafting. Number three, scar revision. And number four, breast implant replacement using silicone gel-filled implants with or without capulectomy. And I am feeling strangely chill about this. I am not freaking out like I was for my deep surgery. And I feel like it's because nothing, and I mean nothing, can be as bad as the recovery from that. So not freaking out at all. Did just come from my pre-op visit. So I'm just going to go over everything. Number one, so I remember what I'm supposed to do. But also... So that may be those of you out there who are staring your revision surgery in the throat can, I don't know, in some way feel better about it. I don't know. I don't actually have no idea. I just, let's just do this thing. Um, yeah. Let's do it. So first, first thing to know is that uh, this surgical journey of breast cancer never ends. There's always something else to do. And so this will be the fourth time I will be going in for a procedure slash surgery. The first was my port placement. The second was my mastectomy. The third was my deep flap reconstruction with implant placement um, and port removal. And then number four will be this revision surgery. Why have a revision surgery? Well, I'm glad you asked. When you have a deep flap reconstruction, the thing of it is, when they just take out one part of your body, your skin and your fat, it tends to kind of offset other parts of your body. Because regardless of your body shape and size, you have some symmetry going on. You have some equilibrium of the body. For example, I had about the right amount of fat in my belly area as I do in my ass, thighs, and hips. It just... 
equaled out, I guess. So when you go in and you take fat from just one spot and then skin and then pull that skin together, it kind of, the term they'll use is it squares off your hips. Which really I think all that means is it creates this disproportional look where you have this flat stomach, sometimes depending, <laughs> and then hips that, that aren't flat because they're hips. They're not supposed to be. And you got some fat there. And good for you. Because you need that fat. The other thing is the breast that they construct, as masterful as my surgeon is, it is not going to be perfect straight out the gate. It's going to have some little dips and divots in it. It's going to have some asymmetry to it. And also, it's all a crapshoot trying to match up the other side if you didn't have a bilateral mastectomy or if you're for some reason you're not having a bilateral reconstruction. So in my case, my left breast, uh, I did nothing to it. It did nothing to me. So we just put a traditional implant in there with the aim to match the two sides. What resulted was perfectly matching breasts straight out of the gate and then about a cup size difference in those same breasts over the course of eight weeks for the reason of my radiated side shrinking up because, <laughs> I mean, why not? You know, it's not enough that that skin is shitty. It's not enough that there's hyperpigmentation uh, all over that area that will likely not resolve in my lifetime. <laughs> Uh, so why not shrink up and just kind of throw the entire fucking thing off? Because I got to tell you, this left side, this implant boob is beautiful. It's the perfect size. It's the perfect width. It's the perfect projection. It lays perfectly on my chest. It's got, it's, it's at the right height. It's, I just, I love it so very much and it pisses me off. That this other side won't cooperate the same way. <sighs> and now we have to exchange this implant on the left side because, you know, optimally things would match. Even though they weren't matching before. And I don't really need them to be perfect, but a full cup size off is difficult to maneuver. In particular, if your breasts are of any robust size, which I wouldn't call the size of my breasts robust. I would say that they're a bit more prominent than they were before. I mean, in, in this right situation, I went from an A cup to a C cup, which on a 32 inch chest is, is noticeable. So, Let's even these bad boys out so that when I'm off work hours, I don't have to wear a bra ever for the rest of my life. That's my goal. Honestly, everything without a bra, everything without a bra. Bras are for work and work only. And I mean, really, that depends on your work, don't it? So a week from Monday... I go in 
to have this surgery? What can I expect? Well, I can expect to be at the hospital by 5.30 a.m., so that's early. I can expect to get an IV. They will give me medicines through that IV. The doctor will come in. She'll mark up my body. She's going to take fat from my hips, my inner thighs, my thighs. And then, you know this part behind your knees on the inner aspect there? So it's kind of fatty. Just going to take some of that too. And they're going to pump it into my boob and hope that about anywhere between 60 to 40% will stay. So they're also going to clean up the scar from uh, on my abdomen from the deep flap reconstruction because what happens at the edges, kind of where your hip points are on that scar, is some puckering. And also a phenomenon where it's referred to as dog ears, where it kind of, there's a little bit of an outpouching, kind of like um, at the end of a zipper, I guess, on a bag. The ends of the zipper kind of are a little bulky and stick out a bit, maybe. I don't really know how to describe this, but anyway, they're going to clean that up. And then exchange this implant take it in on the sides a little bit and take it back a little bit <laughs> which again I'm so sad about it's fine it's fine I've just you know I've gone through this life without great boobs and then you get one great boob and you're just like I don't want to give it up you know but life is about compromise so that's what we're going to do. We're going to compromise. It's going to be fine. Yanahu. I'll take me back to surgery. They'll do the things that they do, that they get paid to do, that they've studied to do, that they do all the time. And then they'll wake me up and send me home. Because it's in and out, baby. There's no overnights. There's no urinary catheter. This is not a big deal. It's not going to be a big deal. They're going to put me in an abdominal binder. I'm going to, and compression hose. Compression yoga pants, I guess. Maybe ace wrapped, actually, straight out of surgery. But that's about it. Here's what I'm going to need to purchase, though, to get me through. Because this is going to be about two weeks of a semi-painful recovery. And if my friends are to be believed, my friends who have gone through this, about three months of bruising. <laughs> and knowing how long it took this, this boob to like resolve the bruising, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm going to bruise like a peach. And it's going to take a long time. So, I got to get on Amazon. Amazon. Oh. Be a better company, Amazon, because, you know, I really like what you have to offer, but if I have to wait an extra two to three days for my stuff to be delivered so that people can take a fucking bathroom break, then I'll wait. Trust me, I'm happy to wait. Let people pee. Also, offer better benefits, pay your people better, and uh, work on not being a trash person. Okay, great. Good talk. Moving on, there's this 
waist trimmer belt that I've got to get. It's basically a girdle um, for it, it. It's marketed for post-pregnancy, but this is going to be an abdominal binder that I need to wear for a good long time, like a couple months, I think. That could be exaggeration. At least a month. And that is going to help, I guess, where they pull out all that fat for it to kind of heal all together instead of in patches somehow. Uh, the other thing I need to get are some compression, st not stockings, compression pants. Compression, yeah, like pants that need to go below the knee and all the way up to the waist. Relatively cheap because... I may be a little bit leaky. I mean, they're essentially going to poke large holes all over my body and suck out the fat, which I don't know if you've ever seen fat get sucked out of a body, but you can't use like a 30 gauge needle for that. You need a big ass needle because fat molecules are very large. So they're going to suck it out and then they're going to just punch up my boob with it. Oh God, I'm going to be so bruised. I'm going to be bruised and weepy again for a few days. I might just leak all over. So probably not going to, you know, shove myself into $100 yoga pants. Maybe find something a little bit more reasonably priced. And then maybe stick to that for life. Because what am I doing buying $100 yoga pants? Why? Why? I'm the garbage person. It's me. Uh, anyway, I feel good about this and I'm ready for this. And if that changes, I know Xanax is just one phone call away and I will not hesitate to make that phone call. You want to know why? Because I ain't too proud. I ain't proud. I ain't too proud to be anxious as fuck. That's usually where I live. But I just don't feel it right now. I just feel ready. I just feel ready. And I will check in post-op. Hopefully sooner than I did last time. And let you guys know how it went. So. That's it. This is going to be a whole lot of work to edit. But fine. I worried about it. Chat at you later. Hello. It is post-op day two. I am home. And here are some things that are surprising to me. Number one, why so hard to pee? Why can't I urinate like a normal person? I don't think they put a catheter in me for a three-hour procedure, really. I could have something to do with my smooth muscle being put to sleep. You know, when, when you're intubated and sedated, they put you to sleep to have your surgery. They put everything to sleep, though, like all your muscle, everything. And your smooth muscle is the last to wake up. Usually your gut, 
and your bladder. But I am like, again, once again, peeing like a 90-year-old man with an enlarged prostate. Like, in, s- in spurts. I'll sit there. It took me like 10 minutes to void my entire bladder yesterday, which was post-update one. <sighs> this is like my least favorite part. No, I take it back. The pain is my least favorite part. But let's just start from the very beginning. Very good place to start. Nope. No. No musicals. So Monday, today's Wednesday. Monday I went in uh, bright and early. Got there at 5.30. Was taken back. And uh, they make you sign a bunch of more stuff. You wipe down with the CHG wipes. They start an IV on you. Everybody comes in. Plastic surgeon comes in. She marked me up. And what I had done was fat grafting, which is essentially liposuction. And that fat was taken from my hips, the inner thighs, inside the inner aspect of the the inner... What is this, medial? Medial aspect of the knee? Like, (laughs) behind my knee? (sighs) And then that fat was redistributed into my right breast. I think to try and add a little bit of bulk to it. um, But also just kind of round it out. But nicely smooth the edges. Um, And then this left breast, which is just a traditional implant, that implant was switched out for symmetry. And then she did uh, some additional work on my abdominal scar, kind of wherever the scar was kind of thicker. It seems like she thinned that out, especially on the edges when it was kind of puckered, um, ripply a little bit. She looks like it's all smoothed out. And then my belly button, she did something to that too, which I'm sure will become apparent to me as it heals. But that's what I had done. You know, I go back, I'm asleep, and I wake up, and it's all over. And I cannot tell you how relieved I am, because I was freaking out a little bit. Like, freaking out more than 0.5 of Xanax was really able to handle, but I only had one pill left, so I had to split it. Took 0.5 the night before, and then 0.5 as soon as I woke up, and I really do think that it helped. Um... So then I got to come home. A few things that were surprising to me. First of all, just to give you a visual, I've got two ABD pads, ab- like abdominal. They're just big pads, big uh, to absorb a lot of drainage, essentially. They're just big white pads. I had one on each boob. Nothing's really leaking out. And then that was secured in place by an extra large a medical bra that looks like something I think I found in my grandmother's bedroom one time. Then I have an abdominal binder on, one of those white ones that are like real elasticy and velcro. And then my thighs from my hip bone all the way past my knee, below my knee, just ace wrapped with pads inside there. And I had to leave that on for 48 hours. So today Actually, a couple hours ago was the first time I was able to shower. I'm still 
well, we'll get to pain medicine in a moment. Um, but I was able to shower and that felt really nice. But it was the first time I took all of that down. And very interesting because, surprise, stitches. I didn't, I didn't know I was getting stitches. But it looks like everywhere fat was harvested from, there's like a single stitch closing that puncture wound and then in my chest here one two three four five six seven eight it looks like I was shot <laughs> with, with very very small uh, bullets but um, there's just all these little puncture wounds and they do have like little stitches and then over them a kind of like adhesive mesh so I don't know what's going on there, but uh, I approve, I guess, because I trust my surgeon implicitly. So taking down the ace wraps and the binder and everything, holy shit, I'm like a solid bruise from my waist, like from my rib cage all the way down <laughs> to my knees. <laughs> I mean, it's not solid, but... It's the it's a kind of bruise where you're like, ooh, wow, because it is black and purple. That's what it looks like on my skin, which my the uh, normal color of my skin has often been described as porcelain. So that gives you any idea of what black and purple looks like on that. Uh, yeah, it hurt. I no wonder it hurts. And in addition to the puncture wounds and the incisions along my abdomen, um, it just, I feel like I was dropped from a height and I hit the ground and somehow survived. It's just everywhere. But I got to tell you, it is not as bad as the pain I had with my deep flap surgery. Not even close. So I'll take it any day. Uh, pain medication. Yesterday, or when I came home, I was taking tramadol and Tylenol, just kind of alternating those. And then post-op day one, which is yesterday, they called and said I could start taking an NSAID, so I added a leave. Ibuprofen is also something I could have added. So I've been rotating those, trying not to take them all at once, because then they're going to all wear off at once. So staggering them which means I'm taking a pill every like three hours or so um, which is helpful in terms of pain management but I do set an alarm overnight I'm not sleeping well anyway uh, but I do set an alarm overnight and wake up to take those pain medications because again you do not want to forget to take your pain meds overnight you will wake up in a great deal of pain because the level of pain I'm experiencing now is it's manageable, but that's with like three different pain um, pain killing medications. That's with three different analgesics on board. I can't imagine if the, they all wore off like what this would feel like. Uh, so out of the shower, I get to put on my compression stockings which are just really tight yoga pants because that's what I have and uh, it'll do 
I didn't bother with underwear because that's just an extra thing that I don't need. Oh my God. Y'all, why have you not told me how comfortable it is to ditch underwear? I had no idea. But this is great. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know how I've gone this long wearing underwear with my yoga pants. Why has that, why have I been doing that? What a waste of time and energy. I didn't have to do any drains, which is awesome. I didn't vomit after anesthesia, which is amazing. However, I am so itchy. I'm itchy on my skin, but like especially on my scalp. Like my hair is itchy. And I washed it because that is a legitimate question. I do try to avoid washing my hair at all costs. But I did wash it on Sunday. You know, I wanted to be nice and fresh and clean. But it's so itchy. I don't understand. And I think it's just... I don't know, one of the medications must be making me itchy. And it's worth it. Because it's probably controlling my pain as well. Um, my mouth is super dry. You can probably hear it. It's probably annoying you right now. But it does not matter how much um, water I drink. My I can barely like eat anything and swallow it without being a choking hazard because of how dry I am. Um, so there's that. That has a lot to do with the medication that you receive when you're intubated. But also I had a scopolamine patch, which is the little circle patch they put behind your ear if you are someone who vomits after anesthesia or who gets motion sick. Um, and even though I took it off yesterday, that kind of a medication is just going to mess with your body's ability to, I guess, not have dry mouth. <laughs> but also, it's probably what's making me pee funny as well. It's an anticholinergic, so maybe taking that off will resolve my prostate issue. Um, oh, what else? Oh, my bottom lip is split. You know, like down the middle here, like in a vertical? It's split, and uh, behind it, I can feel like this little sore. It's just like swollen a little bit. I think that's from the intubation tube. It was probably resting, maybe a little trauma inserting it, or it was resting against it. So that's happened each time, pretty much. I've been told by my uh, orthodontist when I was very young, uh, Dr. Picorni, he told me that I had one of the smallest mouths he'd ever had to work with and uh yeah i don't know if that has any bearing on how difficult or not difficult it is to intubate somebody but i would imagine it kind of ups the stakes a little bit um my feet are swollen but especially my ankles but especially my right ankle much more than my left which is yeah i don't know why that is but that's just a thing um but as far as clothing, my clothing plan for the next two weeks is tight compression yoga pants, no undies, and then a form-fitting tank top, but no compression on top. Uh, my plastic surgeon was very clear. She doesn't want any compression against these breasts. And then I have an abdominal binder that uh, they... they recommended I purchase off Amazon I think it was like 20 bucks um and that's like around my waist and down kind of over my hips 
it all feels very Kardashian at the moment. You know? Because it's just like... <laughs> the, the basic shape I'm getting from being swollen, like, and then cinched at the waist, and then it just... That's all I can think of. Walmart Kardashian. Um, yeah. And other than that, everything's fine. I'm not leaky. I thought I might be a little weepy, you know, but I think the stitches have really closed everything up. Um, yeah. Everything's okay. I feel alright. I can get up and get down on my own. I can go to the bathroom on my own. I try not to use my arms, just use my legs, um, use my abs a little bit, even though that incision makes it a little bit difficult because it's very tender. It's not at all, not at all like the deep flap reconstructive surgery. So it's, it does not compare mentally. It does not compare physically. It does not compare. This is, I mean, I'm on post-op day two and I think it took me two weeks to feel this way with the deep surgery and it's only been two days so I mean obviously it's a very different surgery but pain is pain and I still don't enjoy being in pain uh you know so that can cause me a little bit of anxiety um sense of foreboding <laughs> but honestly this kind of pain is fine this it's I can see why I'm in pain. I mean, I'm bruised everywhere. It makes total sense. And it won't last. And I have medication I can take for it. So, you know, everything's going to be fine. If you're looking at having this done, I think everything is going to be fine. But that's it. Today I'm taking it easy. I'm trying to walk around the apartment. Every hour get up and walk around. Um, eating whatever I want. That's comforting to me, which is Fig Newman's. Not Fig Newton's, but the Paul Newman brand of Fig Newton's that you can get like at Whole Foods. Because I swear to God. And the purple package, which I don't think is the original. It's like low fat or something, which is usually an, like, or it's whole wheat. Maybe it's whole wheat. Something like that. Anyway, Paul Newman makes my favorite Fig Newton's. And uh, they're very comforting food to me. So, I'm going to keep doing that. Anyway, yeah, that's all I've got for now. Uh, it's done. I woke up afterwards, which is always a relief. And the pain is what it is. Sleeping on my back is what it is. Not my favorite thing. Uh, in a few days, I'll be really sick of it. Oh, one last thing. This left boob. We had to downsize the implant. And, you know, it makes sense. Do I need to be a 32D? No. Am I a 32D? No. I, I'm like a 32C, for my aesthetic, is really pushing it. And I want symmetry. I want them to match. But I will just say, that implant boob had really settled so nicely and the shape of it, the projection of it was just so, <sighs> I missed the big one. I missed the big one. 
And just looking at this new one, you know, it's it's a little too round yet because it hasn't settled. It's too new. You got to give it like a month or two. Uh, and it, it does exactly match the other side because, again, my surgeon is, uh, well, she's a genius, but also she's a perfectionist. And also she works damn hard to make sure that she's good at her job. And uh, I really like that. I mean, they match. It, it's lovely. It's it's gonna be lovely, and I still I. I still miss the big one. What can I say? Uh oh yeah, haven't had a bowel movement yet either, so I imagine that's gonna be a whole saga. But I did start taking Colace yesterday, and Miralax. So we're just gonna keep up with that and. Believe me when I tell you, you will be updated. So. Alright, I've got some trash TV to watch. So, I'm gonna go do that. And we'll talk later. Alrighty. Bye. And I'm back. It is post-op day Friday. Which, wait, Monday. One, two, three... It is post-op day four of my fat grafting, implant exchange, scar revision, reconstructive surgery part two. Uh, I feel a lot more lucid, although I may just sound crazy. Well, trying not to use that word. I may sound not as lucid as I think I do. Let's just say that. Uh, but first things first, wearing yoga pants, no undies, just to like ease the very tenuous transition from full constriction of yoga pants plus this abdominal binder to no pants so I can kind of pee, you know, like an old man with an enlarged prostate, which is still happening, by the way little a little bit worried about that uh yeah just foregoing the underpants because why and realizing this is amazing this is amazing I don't have to like I mean I don't have to like reposition it under there I don't have to worry about it riding up like I don't why have I not been told about this until now so spread the word if you're wearing panties, underpants, underneath your yoga pants, it's, it's just not necessary. And in fact, I would go so far as to say it's, it's quite ridiculous. I don't even know where I got the idea to begin with. But yeah, stop doing that. Lesson learned. Uh, secondly... I am being reoriented to the way that my body bruises. It's quite the journey. <laughs> my, <laughs> I would say predominantly my flank down to, each flank down to my hip crease, which has its own bruising situation going on, is kind of this beautiful rendering of a skin nebula. I look 
it looks like there is a composite image of an uh, a spatial outer space nebula from another galaxy formed right on my skin. Um, it's tender as hail, but it, it's objectively kind of beautiful. Um, so I look forward to watching the change in colors on that. Uh, so my flanks are bruised. My right breast is pretty... Yeah, we're, we're going back. We're going back in time. It's pretty bruised up. Not as bruised as it was post-deep flap reconstruction, but it, uh, it's, uh, it's taking on that more mustardy color bruise, which, honestly, that's like at the tail end of a, of a bruise healing, so that's really good. Um, just taking stock of what I've got here, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine puncture marks that are each have one suture on them, and then it looks as though they put a, a little piece of tape, like that clear porous tape over it, and then dermabond on top of the tape to keep it flat. Dermabond is basically just skin crazy glue. So there's that going on. Very interesting. I've never seen that before. I've never seen the tape plus... Um, I've never seen like the suture, then tape over it, then crazy glue on top of that. Never seen it on me or on a patient or anything. Um, so I can only assume it's cutting edge technology here because that's just my doctor. My abdominal scar, it's got some fresh incisions on it. Two, like maybe um, two inch long incisions on each end of it, like by my hip bone. Oh, I should really silence my phone when I'm doing this. Actually, let's check. Let's see here. Well, I am popular. Hmm. Not really. Be right there, guys. Uh, incisions. Two. One each over the hip bone. They're about two inches each. And they've got the same tape uh, and then dermabond on them. And then I've got two other, like, shorter ones that are... Um, like on either side of the center line, I guess. And I think that's where my scar had kind of widened a little bit for whatever reason. It wasn't nice and thin. It just kind of got wide. And it might have been from skin stretching or the way that it healed or something. But it looks like she really kind of cleaned that up as well. So really, when I look down, what I have now is a very thin, uh, flat-looking scar. Um I think it's going to heal really nicely. Uh, and my hip creases are bruised. And I can't tell if that's just like a, a pooling of dependent bruising from where they took the fat from. Or if it's from me when I'm sitting, this abdominal binder kind of pressing into my hip creases and, and bruising that way. Because this thing is not, it's not comfortable. Um, and then my inner thighs from like my groin area all the way down to my knee the entire inner thighs are just <laughs> i mean solid bruise it's 
it's pretty amazing. And then I've got on either, again, on either side, on the inner, inner aspect of my knee here, uh, one suture, one puncture wound suture with the tape and the dermabond on both knees. Very interesting. I just, I have a follow-up on Monday, and I can't wait to find out, like, what on earth <laughs> is all of this about. <laughs> but I'm really puffy at the same time. Everything's, like, very solid. Uh, very solid. And the coloring, like, my... Oh, so she did something to my uh, belly button as well. I think she went in and like redid that a little bit too because that's got a suture inside of it and some tape and dermabond. But when I pull down my yoga pants, like to use the bathroom or, you know, take a shower, my abdomen is so pale looking and then it's got, it's mostly got like this pale blue bruising right now. It looks that part of me just looks dead. <laughs> like it looks like how it would look on a corpse, like in a movie or, I mean, to be honest, in real life. I, it kind of was uh, surprising and uh, off-putting when I first saw it. I was like, oh God. Um, but of course it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Mm. Yeah, so there's that. Uh, almost peeing normal. It's supposed to have day four, and I'm still not really peeing normal, but I can tell we're close. We're very close, and so that'll be nice. Um, haven't had what I would characterize as a complete bowel movement yet, uh, so I think it's enema time. Which, look, if you can't handle the poop talk, just fast forward, like, I don't know, five minutes. Who knows how long I'll be on this. But it's a real problem, okay? Being constipated. It's uncomfortable. And it, like, consumes my entire thought process. It affects what I eat. It affects how I feel. I don't know. I just can't describe it when I'm, as a, as a woman... You know, you're not supposed to talk about it, but it is a real problem. A lot of women in, in the world are walking around constipated as fuck. And no one really wants to talk to us about it. And I feel like it's kind of a big fucking deal. So, I'm going to talk about it. I think it's the medication. I'm just on Tylenol and Aleve right now, rotating those. I did take Tramadol last night. Because uh, when I was laying in bed, I was just kind of aching and I, it was keeping me awake. And I was like, you know, why suffer? What's what's the point here? Like, what are you what are you going to get for this? A trophy? Like, ooh, uh, you know, I didn't take pain medication after post-op day three. Like, no one is expecting and we're going to reward that. So, I mean, just stop it. Take your pain medicine. Get over yourself. That's me talking to me. Anyway, I think that's part of the problem. So here's what I do to battle constipation. I've been taking Miralax since post-op day zero. So when I got home from the hospital, I also have taken Colace twice. Now, I don't like laxatives. I don't like... There are two categories, basically. There's stool softeners. 
and there's laxatives. Stool softeners pull in moisture into the stool, basically, to help it pass easier, to soften it up. Stool softener. Uh, laxatives actually affect, I think, the smooth muscle in your colon to try and actually get things moving. And that's why laxatives are often the ones that will kind of cause cramping and discomfort and bloating because of all of that action going on. If you're serious about things, you want both. You want a stool softener and a laxative. But all that's a top-down approach. All of that is oral. So if it's, it's coming in from the top. So if you've got something near the rectum or the bottom that is not soft stool and not really going to pass easily, all you're doing is backing up your entire system with nice soft stool <laughs> that is going to go nowhere. So I think the approach that then you need to take is you need to clear out the blockage. It's not really a blockage because there is also a terminology for that, but some very rare cases and for very uh, time-specific needs like post-op, you can use an enema. You can use non-medicated enemas. They're usually quite large amounts of liquid. It's either going to be salt water or mineral oil. Either one, doesn't matter. It's, you know, player's choice. Or you can get very tiny ones. They look like little baby enemas and they're medicated. It's usually some kind of glycerin in there. Something slick uh, to get things rolling. Those are the ones I prefer because they are just so effective. And they work quickly and it's not a lot of liquid because putting a lot of liquid in uh, is difficult. First of all, if you're doing it yourself in your post-op, you're not quite, you know, your upper, depending on your upper body strength, which mine is non-existent, I'd rather just kind of have to squeeze in a small amount. Um, it's kind of like a three-pronged approach. So those are the medications, stool softener, laxative, and then eventually you're just going to have to take it up the ass, do an enema. Uh, another thing I do is diet-wise, I you have to increase your fiber. You have to like eat a lot of fiber. And I find that the most effective way to do this for me is cereal. I just have like frosted wheat thins. Frosted wheat thins? Is that what? No. Frosted mini wheats. Frosted mini wheats for breakfast. Lots of fiber in those. Raisin bran, lots of fiber in that. I mean, just, I'll go a whole day and all I eat is cereal if I know I need to get serious about things. Because if I'm not post-op, under normal circumstances, I'm not taking stool softeners and laxatives and enemas. These are not things that you want to depend on to keep you regular. These are things you want to use in a pinch, you know, because you're taking medication that is constipating to you or, you know, you've had a lot of narcotics because you had surgery and they had to put you to sleep. 
And that stuff really affects my body for weeks afterwards. So I have to get serious about it. And of course a train is coming by now. Actually, it's not a crazy loud train. Here's the deal, people. I live, like, on the train tracks. Like, my apartment has a balcony. If I walk out on the balcony, I can spit directly onto the train tracks. Not that I would. Why would I do that? That's gross. Uh, also disrespectful to trains. Um, but it makes it very difficult to record. That's why I'm usually in my closet. But uh, I am not in a state to be comfortable sitting in my closet right now. Um in my yoga pants, no undies, with this abdominal binder, I'm on my couch. Speaking of couches. Well, okay. Let's finish with constipation. It's a real issue, and women, we need to talk about it, because there's nothing shameful about it. Everybody poops. And when you don't poop, something's wrong there. And you gotta fix it. So... Use medications, stool softeners, laxatives. I like Colace and Senna and Miralax. And I like medicated Fleet's enemas, the little ones with the glycerin, glycerol something in something. I don't know. Do your own research. But I like that for the once or twice a year that I have to have surgery now, apparently. And hopefully I won't have to use them ever again because as long as I have... A high-fiber cereal in the morning, I stay pretty regular. That's my maintenance strategy. And it matters. Being regular matters. So, everybody poops. Let's all get over ourselves and talk about it. Staying comfortable when your entire body is a bruise, let me tell you. The worst part is first thing in the morning. I try to set an alarm for like an hour or two before I think I'm going to get up. It's like 6 a.m. Because, I mean, I don't got nothing to do. I'm on break from work. I'm not in school anymore, thank God. So I don't need to get up till 8 o'clock. Like, who am I trying to impress? But I'll set the alarm, and I'll take a couple Tylenol, and then go back to sleep, so that when I'm getting up in the morning, I at least have some pain meds on board. Getting up in the morning is the hardest for this surgery because everything's just like really sore. It feels like, it feels like the day after you go to a workout class that you've never gone to before and one of your friends is like, it's so good, you've got to go. So you went and five minutes in you quickly realized it was about five levels above what your physical fitness uh, can sustain at this time in your life and then by that point you're too embarrassed to leave so you do the workout you know you know the class I'm talking about the one where you like nearly barf in the middle of it this is most closely uh, com comparable to taking one of those workout classes and then waking up the next day and being like oh my god I can't move Oh my God, everything in my body hurts. But once you get up and start moving around a little bit, it, it gets a little bit better. That's how it kind of feels. So, And there are ways to be comfortable 
because honestly, when I'm not moving, if I'm in a certain position, I can feel comfortable. So I've got a, a pillow on a couch. It's a lot of pillows. So if, again, if you think you have enough pillows, uh, you do not get more. I recommend a Tempur-Pedic pillow. It's expensive and it's unnecessary, but I can't tell you how glad I am that I've got one. Um, so I put that on the back of the couch and then I put my feet up on a stool with a pillow on it. And then I've got another pillow behind my head. And when I'm in that position, very comfortable. And I, it's not painful, hardly at all. It's a little uncomfortable with this abdominal binder. You know, like, it's there. The discomfort is there. But it's not like pain. It's just uncomfortable. So, here's another thing. Tempur-Pedic. Thank you for your mattresses. Thank you for your pillows. They're, they're worth it. To me, they're worth it. However, I need you to make a couch. Why hasn't Tempur-Pedic made a couch yet? I would buy the hell out of a Tempur-Pedic couch. If, I mean, that's basically what I'm, I'm creating a Tempur-Pedic couch by having these pillows, these like memory foam pillows that I sit on. Why not just make an entire couch out of it? I mean, it, that would be amazing. I would never get up. Maybe that's why they don't make it. But just think about it now, how much time we're all spending at home. You know, a lot of us, even if you work, if you even if you work outside the home, where are you going? Nowhere. You're coming, you're coming right back home after work. I mean, imagine how much more comfortable you would be in a global pandemic facing fascism down, uh, looking at a future with out science and technology, just, you know, and uh, rights for anyone who's not a, a white male. But imagine how much more comfortable that would be for you if you had a couch made of memory foam. You know? Maybe that's why we can't do it. Because democracy, you know? I guess, really, until we get our shit together... Tempur-Pedic should not make a couch. But as soon as we do, as soon as we take back the hope of a future that in any way resembles what I see on Star Trek, which is my ultimate goal, then we can have Tempur-Pedic couches. I mean, thanks to Nespresso, we already have a way to make quality coffee drinks at home. The Tempur-Pedic couch is just the next natural advancement in science. So Tempur-Pedic, if you're listening, uh, get with NASA. I mean, I guess that's what you guys do for your mattresses. And just take the mattress and fashion it into a couch, please. Thank you. Uh, also shoes. Also shoes. Tempur-Pedic, could you please make shoes? I want to feel like I'm walking on a memory foam mattress everywhere I go. Shoes, please. Yeah, a couch and shoes. That's that'll that'll do. That'll do for now. Okay. 
what have we learned here today? Uh, fat grafting. It's fine. You can handle it. Post-op day four. Peeing relatively normal. Pain totally controlled. Uh, yoga pants, no undies. Constipation is no joke. And we should talk about it more. I mean, get those bowels moving, okay? You should be shitting every day. It shouldn't take 30 minutes either. It should be relatively comfortable and easy. And if you're not, you need more fiber in your diet. So figure that out. Uh, yeah. Hello. Okay, so it's post-op day eight. I just got back from visiting my plastic surgeon's office. I had my stitches out. I had about 16 stitches in various places, like 10 or 11 on my boob, um, two on my abdominal scar, two on the inside of my knees, and then two, I don't even know if this math adds up, to be honest, two on my, like on my legs, like kind of on my hip flexors, I guess, or maybe like a little bit further down my thigh than that, but feels good to have those out. I, I guess I didn't really realize I was kind of feeling them a little bit, but now that they're out, it kind of feels pretty good. So um, I asked a number of questions of the, the tech who took my sutures out. Here were the questions that I asked. How long do I need to wear these compression garments? She said for like a month. I was like, okay. Do I need to wear my abdominal binder while sleeping? Not necessarily. Some people do. Some people don't. It's okay if you don't. Great. Uh, two full weeks with that abdominal binder, like nonstop. After that, you can kind of wear it intermittently. Um, no bra for a month? For a month? No bra. Baths and pools, not for a full month. Side sleeping, oh my God. For a month. You guys, the worst, the worst thing about getting surgery is not being able to sleep on my side. I just, I can't do it. It's so, the sleep I get on my stomach or like a half tilt where I like wedge part of the blankets under me so that I'm kind of tilted to the side, but not putting any pressure on my breasts at all. That is not good sleep. I want the kind of sleep where like I've, I wake up a string of drool soaked into the pillow, hair mashed, like that's the kind of sleep, that's the kind of sleep I want. And I'm just not getting it right now, and I won't be getting it for like three weeks. Okay. Um, exercise, like real for real exercise, a month. Like no, and then like start slow, I guess, is what she was saying. Like don't like pull out the 10-pound weights right away. Start with like, my interpretation was start with like yoga, walking, yoga, stretching, things like that, like body weight exercises and then build up to like weight weights, which I don't, I've never done a lot with weight weights, but since being in the situation where I have to exercise via an app on my phone or via a Zoom class, um, I've branched out a little bit into exercises, especially 
There's an app called Nike Training Club, and it's free. All their premium content is free, specifically because we are in a pandemic. And it's going to be free forever now, apparently. So it takes up quite a bit of space on your phone. So depending on whether you got space for that or not, just try it. If it takes up too much space, you can delete it. But it is free, and those workouts are legit. Nike Training Club, they are good. You can run your music behind the app behind the instructor because some of the exercises are just a list of things that you do but some of the exercises are an instructor walking you through it the whole time and you can play music behind them your own music like from Spotify or iTunes or whatever you have and it like modulates the music so that the instructor is always louder than the music it's it's a really sophisticated app actually this is not an ad for a Nike training club by the way but uh Nike training club I would do an ad for you so hit a girl up anyway reach out to me <laughs> i'll have a my people call your people i don't have people i don't that's a lie uh should i put anything on these incisions is another question i asked and she said yeah uh bacitracin for like a week which i've already done and then she said pretty much aquifer after that which i have a uh a sh- you know a buttload of aquifer from my just choose a surgery every previous surgery. And she said underwire bras are okay. Because that's always been my question with my deep flap reconstruction boob. Is it okay to wear underwires or not? Because I get like a lot of messaging that underwires are a no-go. But she said after about two months, you can wear underwire bras. It's not like I'm like way into underwire bras. I do have a couple though that just happen to be underwires and obviously they're not wires anymore they're under plastics uh but you know they're mostly work bras oh i've been wearing for work i swear to god i would never wear a bra i would never wear a bra never what's the point there's no point as a nipple guard sometimes like if you're wearing a blazer um that can be a little distracting on the one nipple i have sensation in but uh other than that and and also let's just address this issue i mean if you have nipples a lot of women after mastectomy do not have nipples some of them don't have breasts anymore either um and i think that's all awesome uh especially if that's something you chose we don't always have the choices either i i feel lucky that i did um however nipples are not I just feel like we should be able to wear shirts and not have to wear bras underneath. And if you have nipples, then you have nipples. Like, who's walking around thinking women just don't have nipples? We do. And if they come out of our shirts, so what? I'm sorry that you are inconvenienced by the fact that I have nipples, but I do. And I shouldn't have to go through a certain measure of discomfort and inconvenience and cost just so that you can feel comfortable about my body. I, I'm sorry, I ain't into it. So normalize nipples. Normalize nipping out, okay? Also, normalize labial cleavage. I am talking camel toe here. Labial cleavage, okay? Because since I have been introduced to the idea that you can wear yoga pants without underwear underneath... I know, I'm a little, I have realized that I'm a little bit late to this revelation. Uh, I don't know where I was. I don't know how I missed it. 
But I accidentally deleted the email where women were told it's okay to wear yoga pants without underwear underneath. And so I've been doing that. And since surgery and using these compression yoga pants essentially as compression, you know, for my legs, I mean, I'm not going to put underwear underneath. I'm just at home. And I've realized, God, the freedom, the comfort. I can't believe that I've been existing to this point in a world where I was wearing underwear under my yoga pants. I just, never again, okay? Never again. And you know what? Occasionally, depending on the yoga pant, depending on the material and the fit, and quite honestly, at times, the quality of the yoga pant that I am wearing, you may get a little labial action. You may get a casual reminder that I, in fact, have labia as the gateway to my vagina because I also do have a vagina, last I checked. So I'm, again, (laughs) just wholly disinterested in your comfort level about the various aspects of my body because, honestly... And call me selfish, but my comfort is kind of my top priority when it comes to clothing. And I I just don't have two fucks to rub together uh, for your comfort for the way that I dress my body. So you can see yourself out. Don't let the door hit you. And I'm going to wear whatever the hell I want. Sans undies, sans bra, if I so choose. And if you don't like it, well, I think I've already told you. You've already left the room. You're not even listening to this anymore. Okay. That is all the questions that I asked. Um, and I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling okay. Still taking pain meds, uh, especially at night, I feel like, because I'm just laying there, and so the there's no way to distract myself from the pain. Again, pain. I'm losing. I'm using that word like really. Um, it's sore. It's a soreness. It's like it's a bruise. It's a really bad bruise. Or like that one time that you got tricked into taking a workout class that you were in no way physically prepared to be taking, and you had no business participating in. And the next day, you were reminded of that fact. That's kind of what it feels like. It's completely, completely doable. So don't don't spend too much time freaking out about the pain. You've had worse. I guarantee by this point, you've had worse. All right. Check in later. Bye-bye. And we're back. Um, so it's post-op day 11, and I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. I have not needed pain medication for since yesterday. No Tylenol, no ibuprofen, no tramadol. And that feels good, honestly. I finished the antibiotic. I was on uh, an antibiotic for uh, 10 days. I think I was on 10 days. <laughs> there, there we go. The math checks out there. Anyway. Antibiotics 
every time I've taken them, they really kind of mess with my gut. I just like always c- have this like subconscious like tummy ache constantly, and I lose my appetite a little bit. Um, not totally because <laughs> this girl loves food, but um, yeah, I'm I am I just finished my antibiotic like not yesterday but the day before, maybe yesterday. Uh, it's it's hard to tell. Everything's a little foggy. The days. They run into each other. Uh, the pandemic plus working from home slash not working is uh, creating a kind of a time warp situation where I'm not sure what day it is uh, anymore. But despite what day it is, when doing well, I can get my compression. Yo- they're just yoga. Okay. But can we talk about compression garments? When I say compression garment, what I mean is I'm wearing my tightest yoga pants. That's it. I used this surgery as an excuse to buy a couple more pants that are of a yoga persuasion um, that specifically called themselves compression, you know, leggings, maybe compression leggings. You want to compress the fat together so that as it heals, there are no pockets in there and it's all laying nice and flat together, adjacent. You want it touching. You know, so any garment that you feel like does that is probably fine. Any garment, any yoga pant that puts your legs in the basic shape that you the most like your legs to be in, I feel like is going to do that for you. So that's what I've been wearing. That's all I've been wearing. And when I go back to work on Monday, that's still what I'll be wearing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You heard it here first. I will be wearing yoga pants to work on Monday. And I will not be wearing underwear underneath of them. And this will not be a topic of conversation among my coworkers. <laughs> I am hoping. If I do my job right. And if it is, I really can't be bothered. I really, I don't know if I made that clear the last time I talked about this, as I recall, but I cannot be bothered. I can't be bothered. Your comfort, I'm sorry, not my primary concern. Uh, shoe. Now that I've lost my train of thought completely. Yeah, I've been showering every day. I get out of the shower. I put whatever lotion on that makes me feel good. And then I cover these holes, these little puncture sites with... I'm using Aquifer now because I've gone a week now using the Bacitracin. Um, So I'm just using Aquifer. And it just keeping them moist, moist. Keeping them covered with something occlusive like that, just it helps them heal. It helps, uh, hopefully, with the scars. And when they close completely, that's when I will use my silicone-based um, lotion on them. That I still have a lot of. Like, the little container I bought, it was pricey, but it ha- honestly it has lasted a really, really long time. But you can keep... Using Aquifer, there is no reason not to. It's cheap. It works. Just, you know, be uh, wiser than me and spend your money elsewhere. (laughs) I mean, honest to God. Plus, I'm coming around to the idea that scars are kind of cool. You know? There's a story there. There's a mystery there. And only the people you want to know about it will know about it. 
unless you do a podcast and have a public Instagram account, then everybody who wants to can know about it. But hey, that's just me. Um, yeah. So my plan for work on Monday, because I go back physically to work on Monday, and I feel totally ready to do that. I cannot wear a bra, and as we have already discussed, I will not be wearing underwear. So my plan is I have a pair of really nice, thick, very compressive black. I think the the key here is black. Like, if you're trying to pass off yoga pants as business casual, maybe don't start with, like, the paint splatter ones or the floral ones or, like... (laughs) Maybe try black first. Black covers up a multitude of ills. So um, I think what I'm going to do, and I'm literally in my closet right now, so this is making this really easy, is I'm going to wear, I have, again, those black leggings, black yoga pants, and then I have this um, button-down, this white button-down top I've had forever, and I never quite know how to wear it because it is quite long. And a couple different ways that I've worn it. One way, when I was like going, when we used to go out to those places where you could go and you would sit down and people would come and ask you what you wanted to eat and you would tell them and then they would bring it to you. Um, and you would do it with like friends and stuff and just eat there. And also, ooh, there were drinks too. Uh, and there were drinks. I would wear this, it's long, it like goes almost to my mid thigh in the back and it's only slightly higher in the front. It's a white button up. Very standard, white button up with a collar. I wore my miniest mini skirt and I tucked it in. So my mini skirt was slightly shorter. I only have one skirt like this. But my mini skirt was slightly shorter than this top. And so the top would peek out at the bottom and I just thought that was so sexy. So cool. And then I'd wear, uh, I had a pair, no, I still have it, of like open-toed platform with a skinny heel. So it has a platform on the, what do you call it, where your toes are under, I don't know, what what part of the shoe is that? The, the ball mound part of the shoe, and then it has like a thin heel, like almost a stiletto, which, God, that's hard to find in an open-toed, velvet-looking fabric. Anyway, I wore that with it. Um, this was pre-cancer, <laughs> you know, that, that confidence, so, th- you know, hair up. And, uh, God, that was just one of my best looks. I'm just thinking about that now. Anyway, day to night. We're going to night to day that. Uh, I will put this on because it will cover essentially the parts of the yoga pant that would absolutely give it away as a yoga pant, which is uh, predominantly my labial cleavage, depending on how high I hike it up, and my rather abundant ass. And the little phone pockets on either side of the yoga pants. Those are a dead giveaway. Anyway, I'll put that on. And then anytime you're wearing something kind of long, and even though it is, it's it's fitted enough, it is white. And so it's, it's I feel like it's going to give a little bit of like a shapeless look. If I just wore those two things, it's not enough. So I'm going to throw on a, this double-breasted blazer in a, hou- in a black and white houndstooth pattern. And I feel like that will give it some structure. I may do, I also have a plaid blazer that's more fitted, and I feel like I may need to do that one. So we'll just see how it looks when I put it on. But, and then honestly, I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear tennis shoes. I'm going to wear my Stan Smiths, my white Adidas Stan Smiths, because number one, 
I am a basic bitch when it comes to footwear, and I do not apologize. Number two, again, my comfort. My feet have never reacclimated to the feel of high heels. I used to be able to wear them, like very specific ones. Like I'm talking like <laughs> Rockport and Naturalizer, but they put out some good looking stuff, especially in suede. Rockport has some great, like two and a half inch heel, pointy toe, pointy heel um, pumps essentially, but they're in suede. And so they have a little bit of stretch and they also have a really nice padding in them. And then additionally, I buy extra pads and I fit these things up. And they are as comfortable as heels can be. And even even at that level of quality, I still, I can't get comfortable in heels anymore. And I don't know if it's just like mentally I refuse to be uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form anymore because I like, I've had it. Or if it's a true, um, like a true kind of neuropathy where my feet are just much more sensitive. I do feel like it is my feet that are much more sensitive. Um, so let's go with that. I love the way uh, that a heel looks, but it just, the functionality for me is not there. Anyway, is that it? Have I covered it? I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know what your people want from me. Uh, I'm just trying to tell you the stream of consciousness, stream of consciousness here because... Um, I don't know. I don't know what you need. I don't know what you want, but I'm going to give it all to you and then you can sort it through. Uh, it's, it's, I'm basically like the goodwill of deep reconstruction slash fat grafting experience. Like it's all here. It's a mess. There is no rhyme or reason. I, I tried to structure it as best I could, but it, you're still just going to have to dig through to find the gold. Um, so good luck with that. And... Everything's going to be fine. Bruises, they look epic. Honestly, if you want to see them, you can go to Instagram, at Breast Cancer is Boring. But, I mean, you know what a bruise looks like. These are pretty epic, though. But just, you're going to look at them, and if you're staring this procedure straight in the face, you're going to be like, oh, holy shit, I can't do that. But honestly, they're there, and they're tender when I touch them, but it... They, they do not feel as bad as they look. I can just just trust it. Trust it. And your body is so cool. It is so cool that it gives us like these, these visuals of what's going on underneath. I just think it's, I mean, it's science. It's, it's physiology. It's, it's not a, a mystery. We know why it happens. But at the same time, it's just, it's really cool. It's really cool, and I, I guarantee you in two weeks I will be so over it. And in two months, I will be like, what the fuck? Go back to your normal-ass skin color of white, almost translucent porcelain doll. But until then, everything is fine. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. So, and you know what? You deserve to have as close to the body that you want as possible. And the body you want should be defined by you and you alone. What do you want? If you are lucky enough to be able to make that determination, then do it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it.
I don't want anybody to talk you into it if you don't want it. It's you. Your comfort is more important than anyone else's comfort about you and about your body. And that's all I got. Go forth and do the things that you want to do. And don't wear underwear with your yoga pants. I'm telling you, it's amazing. Few things in this life anymore amaze me and bring me such joy as going commando in my yoga pants. So, all right, I got to take a shower and I got to wash my hair. So it's a whole big deal. Anyway, talk later. Bye-bye. Okay, so it is post-op day. Oh, man, I didn't do the math on this before I started recording. Uh, Wait, okay. Um, (laughs) Okay, tomorrow it'll be three weeks. How about that? It's post-op day three weeks. Um, So, things that still hurt. Uh, The inside of my knees. Yep, that still hurts. Still very sore, oddly, but just like right there on the inside of my knees. The inside of my thighs don't really hurt anymore, and my hips don't really hurt anymore. Um, The incision, the incisions on my abdominal scar. You know, once the overall, like the overarching pain in your inner thighs and hips kind of goes down you start I feel like you start to I feel like I start to notice all the other areas that really hurt which are all these little puncture um, marks and the uh, longer incisions and even my breasts are sore now and I just think it's such a low level of pain really it's just discomfort is what it is that the actual pain in my thighs and my sides was kind of covering it up. So now I get to enjoy this for the next, I don't know, week or so, maybe? Uh. Um, the other thing that's happening that I don't like very much is, and I feel like it's happening more now than it ever has. Like, at the beginning, I noticed a, a little bit of a, a change in my range of motion. I noticed my abdomen was tight again for obvious reasons. I just had all this bruising and swelling and um, again there's two new incisions that are about two inches long over my hip bones like at the tail end of my abdominal incision so you're not going to want to pull on that but just in the last few days that that abdominal tightness has gotten really pronounced and if I sit for an hour or god forbid two hours without getting up when I do get up it is so tight and I think it's a combination of it being actually painful and being um kind of reminiscent of the deep flap surgery tightness and a lot of my anxiety around never being able to stand up straight again and all of that so I think it's probably both those things going on um but because I'm not standing up straight all the time because it is tight again it's really tight too I can't believe oh I can't believe we're back here again like I just got over this so because I'm not standing up straight 
because it is so tight, my my back, my like mid back is hurting again um, because of the strain of being stooped over like an elderly person with some kind of chronic condition. No shade to elderly persons. I I will be one one I hope to be one one day and uh, I hope that some young ignorant woman isn't talking about me this way because I will find her and I will end that bitch. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to be normal. Um, yeah, it's, it's just surprising. The bruising is going down noticeably, so that is nice. The bruising on my right breast, the deep side, is not going down noticeably. So I just think, like before, it's going to take an extra long time to resolve so and that is what that is I mean whatever you know whatever this uh this is a process and I knew going in that I was going to get every little every little thing I could out of it any free thing that you can do to me to make this body look its best we're doing it we are doing all of the procedures. We are doing all of the fat redistribution. We are going to tighten up these scars. We are going to do all of the lasers. We are going to do all of the hair removal. We are going to do it all. So, being that this is the last thing, hopefully, um, I can I can do a couple more weeks of... <sighs> this discomfort and then the following month of progressive stretching and then the following month of trying to get my chaturanga back which by the way the way I talk about physical fitness and exercise and in particular yoga and being able to do up dog and whatnot you would think that I had previously been somewhat good at these things do not be fooled. I've never been good at yoga. Actually, my yoga instructor says you can't be good at yoga. And uh, I think that that's probably what he tells everyone who is not good at yoga. I'm just now realizing. So, but hey, I'm not ashamed. The idea is that you do it. And in your mind, you imagine a picture of yourself doing it that is probably much more complimentary than what you actually look like, and I think that's fine. I think that's fine. There's a reason the yoga studio has low lighting. There's a reason these yoga pants suck you in like a Vienna sausage, but of course you can't go to a yoga studio, so you work out at home without any mirrors because, you know, there's nothing to do about the lighting here. I'm still wearing compression leggings. I'm still very much not working out, uh, enjoying this reprieve because I'm not allowed to, which is uh, it's the best. It's the best when someone's like, no, what they don't call it working out. They just say no strenuous physical activity for a month. And you're like, yes, it's like a get out of workout free card because working out right now is a is a horror. It's a horror. You're either doing it in your bedroom, which is sad, or in your living room, which is sad. I mean, some people have like garages or a second bedroom or 
uh, basements, I guess. I don't know where people work out, but I don't have these things. I literally have a yoga mat's worth of space. Well, maybe a little more than that. At the foot of my bed, and then the same basic amount of space in the living room. And it's plenty of space, and I should not complain about the fact that I am uh, safe and stably housed. But I'm going to, because I used to be able to go to studios, and I used to have someone with a microphone and contemporary pop music playing in the background, yelling at me, telling me what to do, and I gotta tell you, it's just easier that way. It's just easier to show up, get bossed around for 45 minutes to an hour, and then leave feeling pretty fucking great, to be honest. And I miss it, because I am not an exercise instructor. And I am not intrinsically motivated towards peak physical fitness. I can tell you that much for sure. I need an outside person whose life, whose, whose life's work it is to make other people as physically fit as possible. I need someone who has that level of commitment screaming at me over Justin Bieber. That's just what I need. And I can't have that right now. And, uh, boy, will I be glad when I get it back. As much as I'll be like, I don't want to. Because that's where I'm at. Um, but hey, let's look at the, the positives here. Uh, number one, I can eat whatever the hell I want and I'm not shitting my guts out. So that is, and will always be a benefit of being me right now. Uh, number two, I've still got hair. So, you know, lucky. Number three, I think my plastic surgeon gave me abs. I really do. I re- Follow me on this, okay? So I didn't go in asking for abs, but the thing about my plastic surgeon is she is an artiste. She gets your body in there, and she's like, I just imagine her closing her eyes, taking a deep breath, and then she just knows what's best for you. So she went in there, and I think she freaking drew me abs. Some something's going on because this is not my abdomen, <laughs> but it looks great. And I can't wait to ask her about it. Honestly. Um, the implant is still a little round for my liking. It's, it's not completely round and it's not over full and it's not got like that, um, fake kind of wet t-shirt contest look that a boobs it's not a boob but it's just it just looks new essentially it looks like the other one when it was brand new so I am kind of shaping it and working this boob around I'm doing it right now actually (laughs) because I'm a multitasker anyway this one does not squeak like the other one did which is interesting I don't know if she used a different breast implant technology but this one is super soft and I don't get that squeakiness at all Um, I really like it, and aesthetically, I I know that there's still healing going on, but aesthetically, I already see an improvement in symmetry. I like the way that this right, this deep, flat side breast looks. It's much more kind of smoothed out. Um, It's a subtle difference, 
And when I used to hear people say that, I'd be like, well, that's not going to be worth it. Like if it's just subtle, like it's not going to be worth it. But I think it is. And I feel like it is the more, probably the farther out from recovery I get, the, the more I'll feel like it. Because here's the thing, I can't sleep on my side. I can kind of sleep on my side, like kind of like uh, that like half side sleep where you have like a pillow propped up against your back, but you cannot put, there's like no contact with this breast and the mattress. And the way that I like to sleep is almost with my face flat on the mattress and my entire body flat on the mattress. Now I can't do that anymore for reasons of, you know, first a tissue expander, now my stomach being in there and also the implant on this side just doesn't work. But I could get pretty darn close there, there, like at the end of my uh, reconstruction. So, but now we're back to square one and I can't tell you how much I miss that kind of sleep where you're curled up your face is mashed into that pillow and you're drooling I mean just until it's soaked and you don't wake up for eight hours it's a beautiful thing and I miss it very much not that I would get that anyway because of the hot flashes but I digress um there are still scabs over some of these puncture marks that's fine I'm being very gentle with my skin and my body but I am using a washcloth over those areas it's like a washcloth that's made out of loofah material so it's exfoliating but I'm just going very very lightly over those I am still working to get all the adhesive off of me that is a well that's a journey is what that is and it's hard because much of the adhesive is on areas that I can't actually feel very well I either have no actual feeling they're numb areas or I have um, like less, less, uh, feeling. So I don't actually know if I'm doing damage to my skin when I'm trying to peel this off. And I don't like that. That makes me nervous. So I'm probably being overly gentle getting this adhesive off, but it will come off eventually. So I'm just going to be, uh, patient, but it's very difficult. Um, and as much as these bruises are going away, I have a feeling it'll be months before they're fully gone. Just judging on the bruising from uh, my deep flap reconstruction. But hey, they will go away. I will stand up straight again and dare I say, I shall live to Chaturanga another day. So once again, this procedure is nothing you can't handle. It's not going to be as bad as what you've already been through. And you don't have to do it either. It is totally up to you. Also, you don't have to decide either way. You can just kind of let it hang out there for a while. Because I don't really think there's any urgency. But I can definitively say I'm glad I did it. And I will be even more glad when I am sleeping almost flat on my face. Uh... And when I can actually stand up totally straight without feeling like, ooh, this is almost too much. Yep. Okay. That's it. The end. Talk later. Bye. Okay. It is post-op week 16 because I'm not consistent. I have a problem with... um. 
consistency. But more than that, the things that have happened, like personally and professionally and nationally since I recorded last have been just a lot of things, like a lot of fucking things. So let me uh, come come with me on this journey we're about to go through where I somehow knit together uh, my last recording, which I believe was done post-op week three and um, where we are now which is post-op week, like exactly to the day, 16 weeks, which is four months if you don't want to do the math. I did it in my head and then I didn't trust it, so I calculated it on my phone and indeed it is four weeks. Four months. Four months. Don't trust me with math. That's the, that's the moral of this story. Okay, so where am I at right now physically? I am... Very nearly standing up straight, but I have to think about it. Like, I can stand up totally straight, but I got to really, really think about it while I'm doing it. Um, Which I think is pretty baseline for me. Never been a huge, uh, great posture person. That's just a fact about me. Bruising is completely gone. I don't even have any remnants of bruising. I thought for sure. There would be some, like, lasting discoloration on my sides, my inner thighs, because, man, they got they got riddled with bruises. Um, but no. I mean, it's like it never happened, which is great. Uh, I don't have any pain anymore. And I think, really, I'm trying to think of how long that kind of lasted. And I use the word pain lightly because, again, compared to the deep flap reconstruction, this was not a huge deal to me. But um, I did get called out on it recently for kind of downplaying the pain of this whole procedure. Um, And then someone had it and they were not pleased. So, yes, it's painful. It's really painful. But here's the difference, or at least here was the difference for me. It was not a major surgery. I didn't have to spend time in the hospital. Yes, I had to restretch my abdomen, and some of that was V-triggering, as the kids would say. Um, but it, I don't know. I just, I felt like I was doing it as an option. I chose to do it, which puts me in a completely different headspace. I knew that it was aesthetically going to make the end result look better whereas with the deep flap I with the deep flap I felt like I was losing something you know I was losing an abdomen without a huge scar across it I was losing mobility for a really long time I I was losing the ability to look at my naked body in the mirror and not be reminded. Honestly, not even in a mirror. Because here's the thing. After the mastectomy, looking in a mirror, yes, I can see how this breast is different. After radiation, certainly. But I could look down at my breasts and not really see the scars underneath. Uh, and not really track too much of the discoloration from radiation. Like, there was nothing else visually to remind me. 
And since the deep flap reconstruction, when I look down, I see this huge abdominal scar and I see a belly button that isn't mine. And I see a, just a general torso and pubis region that is different and pulled and, and tucked and sewn together and as expertly as it has been done and as aesthetically pleasing as it could possibly be, as it could possibly have been done, it's still, it's still a loss. Like, it's a loss. It's a, it's a, it's a net negative for me. Um, but after fat grafting, I gained symmetry in my breasts. I gained like a nice subtle difference, which we can go over all the details of that in a minute. I gained abs because I did have a follow-up with my surgeon in December. And I asked her, did you give me abs? And she was like, yes, I did. And then we high-fived and that was a great moment in my life. Um, <laughs> Cause of course, of course she would give me abs while she was at it. Just, that's just somebody who is committed to going the extra mile. You know what I mean? So I, I gained. And so I think the idea that it was my choice and that I was gaining something and that what I was getting would be aesthetically more pleasing to me than what, what I walked in with, um, that for me went a long way in mitigating how painful and honestly, it really was quite painful. I mean, like, if you have to kind of psych yourself up to to get out of bed, like to physically change positions in bed or to get up off the couch, like if you got to really like, I can do this, I can do it. Come on, you can do it. Like you got it. You've had to pee for like an hour now. You can't fight it anymore. Then, yeah, you you know that you're in pain. So... Also, for me, sharp pain is harder for me and dull pain, I feel like I can take a lot of. Like the the kind of pain where um, it's like a keen exaggeration of soreness, I can handle that pretty well. But incisional pain, that sharp like tugging, pulling like laser focused, not a diffuse pain, but like in a very specific spot, I have a harder time with that. And that kind of set that, that kind of settled in that four to fifth week where I stopped noticing it. And I stopped worrying that I was stretching that um, new incision on either side of my larger abdominal incision. I stopped worrying that I was like stretching and going to mess that up. So um, a lot's happened. Since we visited last, uh, a major election, um, a uh, whatever the hell that was between the election and Biden taking office, um, I don't, I mean, well, that's a different show, but Jesus. So, <laughs> that, okay, let me just tell you. 
I have not felt great these last few months. Like my my recovery was supposed to be very different. I was supposed to get deep flap surgery, have some downtime, have a little vacation away from work, go back to work for a little while, have fat grafting, emerge like a butterfly from a chrysalis. <laughs> And like present to the world my beautiful new body and my longer hair, which would also have been done and colored, you know, in a timely fashion. And wear all my clothes that I've been waiting to wear again and and like just get out there. And there's no getting out there. There's no getting out there. There's no going to work out. There's no going to eat out. There's no out. I mean, you can go for a walk, but it's cedar season. Like, what are you asking for there? You know? You're asking for post-nasal drip and eyes you want to claw out of your face. I mean, that's my reaction to it anyway. So as I isolated more and more in my apartment to stop the potential for spreading a potentially deadly virus, I... uh think I just got a little down so and I stopped working out which probably the reason I'm even in my closet right now recording this and I have like the energy to pull from is because I've worked out the last three days in a row in a row yeah and that breaks a streak of me not working out for like three months in a row so just imagine how hard that was. It's it's fine. It's better. Okay. Everything's better. I still feel like I'm wearing a belt uh, that's a little too heavy and too tight on the inside of my skin. Uh, right behind my abdominal incision. And when I do plank, which I can't really do for very long, to be honest. I used to be way better at working out. Um, um, I've lost... Some mobility in my shoulder girdle, which I think is a way of saying this general shoulder area. Uh, the radiated side, the mastectomy side. I've, I've lost some mobility in it that I'm trying to get back. And also just the slouching has to do very much with my abdomen need, needing to always be kind of tight. Uh, but also my shoulders, I think I've developed over time an exaggeration of, of what I was already doing, kind of slouching, because I'm guarding my breasts, basically, my brand new breasts. I have to guard them. Uh, they're very valuable. Those puncture marks on my knees and up here, like on the very top of my thigh where it becomes my hip crease, those are still really, uh, like, visible and pink, purple. Marks. I don't think those are going to go away. I think I'll have those with me for a while. But I do have abs now. And, in a, you know, I can wear a high-waisted skirt or a high-waisted pair of pants and a crop top and just look phenomenal. Uh, I don't know where I'm going in that outfit. Certainly not to work. But someday, you know. Also, I think the... The chief beneficiary 
The area of my body that has benefited the most from fat grafting is certainly the cleavage area. So I notice, you know how like women get breast implants and if they're just overfilled a bit and you, you see them in a sports bra and it's like they're squished together, but there's still a space between them as though like the, um, like they meet at the point where they're the widest instead of meeting all the way down, if that makes sense. Like, they're separate but touching. I don't know how else to say that. (laughs) After fat grafting, it's much more soft and natural that, like, in between the breasts. So, like, if I'm wearing a deep V top, that's when they look the best. Um, But also above the breasts in the chest area. She puts some fat up here above the breasts so that it's kind of nice and... I don't know. It doesn't look bony. It looks, you know, like a breast. I don't know. She made them look a little bit more like breasts. Even the implant side looks better. So it's subtle. The difference is subtle. Uh, but it's it's been absolutely worth it to me. All the pain, all the stretching, all the um, feeling down that followed which I think is just a mix of being triggered from the deep flap surgery, which was, I don't know, might have been a little traumatizing to me, actually, now that I think about it. And then the fat grafting reminded me of that in a lot of ways that I wasn't anticipating, plus an election, plus a national uprising of individuals who are really committed to their garbage beliefs uh, and don't want to be inclusive of others. Plus winter blues baseline plus cedar plus the fucking pandemic plus working in a hospital during a fucking pandemic, which is, you know, it's a lot of shit going on. That's all I got to say. So Just in these last few weeks, I have felt like I have something to do. Like I have something to look forward to. Like things might start turning around. So don't be surprised if after fat crafting, you go down for a little bit. It's going to disrupt your routine again, you know, and at this point we're at our healthiest. And even if it's been years since your deep flap reconstruction, the the fat grafting can be really, I, I think I said before, like reminiscent of that. And that can have a lot of effects on your mental well-being, your resiliency, your uh, distress tolerance. So that could happen. Just be aware. Hopefully if it doesn't catch you off guard, it won't feel as terrible. But it's going to be fine. You're making the right decision. If you're trying to decide whether to do fat grafting, 
Um, that is such a personal decision. I can't, I don't know really how to even give any advice. I guess if you decide to have fat grafting, you're absolutely making the right choice. And if you decide not to get fat grafting, you're absolutely making the right choice. So, and we're going to end this entire saga. Um, if you have questions that were not answered here, <laughs> which I find incredibly likely, um, you can DM me at breast cancer is boring on Instagram and I will answer them. And I might be a little awkward about it and I might give you too much information. And depending on what mood I'm in, I may completely misread the tone and intention of your question and just kind of appropriate it for whatever tone I am taking at that time. And for that, I guess I would just say you've been warned because... That's kind of who I am. I'm a little awkward and sometimes too sincere. And to uh, cover that up because that feels a little bit too... Uh, um, like, that feels a little bit too vulnerable. Um, I, will, I will cover up that sincerity with fake sincerity, which gets really confusing even for me. Essentially, if something's off, you can just be like, why are you being weird? And I'll know what you mean. So DM me if you have specific questions and I will answer them as much as I can uh, from my own personal experience, which again is anecdote and not research and not literature. And you should also be talking to other people who have had this, your physician, your plastic surgeon, your oncologist, your friends and family. Whoever you talk to, honestly, to make decisions, talk to them all and get a lot of ideas and get a lot of opinions until you've had enough opinions and then you get to make up your own mind. So that is that. I guess the last thing I want you to know is I regret every karaoke song I did not sing. I regret every time. I was in a karaoke bar and I didn't sing just one more song. I regret it. When we get back out there, I'm going to sing that song. I'm going to sing that extra song every time. Every time. And that is the only thing I've learned in this pandemic. So with that, have a great January, February, March, April, May. And the rest, it's going to be a good year because I've said it is. And even if it's not, like, who cares? What am I, fortune teller? No, don't listen to me. You don't, I don't know anything. But it's going to be all right. And we're all going to get through this. And we just need to keep talking. So drop me a note. Be cool to one another. Wear a mask. Get vaccinated. If you can. And stay the hell away from other people. Until it's safe to be in close proximity with other people. And as soon as it is, please give someone a hug because they need it. I guarantee you. 
whoever it is you're thinking of right now, like they need a hug. Uh, it's me. I need a hug. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>